Okay, so we are in our penultimate week of the Lord's Prayer, Penult- as in penultimate talk on the Lord's Prayer. That didn't even make sense in my own head. So whether it made sense to any of you, I'm not sure. Um, if you've missed any of the previous talks, then you can find them on the Spotify, the Chumps Within Your Spotify account thing. I don't really know how Spotify works. Um, but um, as we, as a community, press into courageous transformation uh, for the sake of those around us, these incredibly powerful collection of words that were crafted by Jesus and influenced by his heritage are so important, should be so important to us today. I don't really like shoulds and oughts, but I feel like uh, it's required in this moment. Um, so it's worth paying attention to these words. Uh, and as we've been encouraging all of us over the last six weeks or so to use these words more and more in our daily rhythms, in our uh, kind of spiritual habits, holy habits, whatever it is that you do. I realized, sorry, I had a self-conscious moment. I put my hair up to put the microphone on. I realize I've left it up. So if it's all sticking out, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Last week, Helen talked about forgiveness, of being forgiven and our need to forgive others. Uh, And so we follow on this morning um, talking about temptation. So I'm just going to read through the Lord's Prayer and I'm going to pause after each sentence, uh, after each phrase, just so that you can spend some time just mulling over those words. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. As we forgive our debt, sorry, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And just really briefly, we say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, in Israel and Palestine, as it is in heaven. Lord, would you bring your peace. Lord, would you raise up leaders that know you and love you and can lead the way. Lord, would you protect those that are innocent and hurting. Father, we know it's complicated uh, politically, but we know that you are the God of peace. And that in you, no matter 
uh, who we are, where we come from, the language we speak, the color of our skin, we can join together in unity and be one. We say your kingdom come, your will be done in Israel and Palestine as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you've got Bibles, um, do turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you haven't got a Bible and would like one, we've got some on the table. We'd love to give you one. Um, as for those of you that were paying attention, you'll notice that I said this was the penultimate talk in the series. Yet if you look in Matthew chapter 6, you'll see that uh, the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his disciples finishes with, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So if you want to know what I'm going to talk about next week, you're going to have to come back to find out because there's no spoilers this morning. Um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Or as the message translation puts it, Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Keep us safe from ourselves. I, lo- I love that. Any of you, I'm going to assume that um, there's maybe a few of you in the room like me that have maybe in the past made foolish or unwise decisions. Um, maybe some of us have had particularly interesting reactions to situations that maybe with hindsight we wished we'd reacted differently. Keep us safe from ourselves. Eugene Peterson translates this. Lead us not into temptation. I think we would all agree that temptation is a very real and present danger. But what does temptation mean? So um, the Oxford English Dictionary says, Temptation is the action of tempting or fact of being tempted, especially to evil being enticed and lured or attracted to evil. Evil is a pretty strong word, isn't it? We've just had the 31st of October, and maybe evil is talked more about uh, in the last few weeks than maybe normally. Perhaps the first thing that comes to mind when you think about being tempted or temptation, uh, it might not be evil per se. You know, but we know that there is light and there is dark. There is good and there is evil. You don't have to look far to see that around us. And so this phrase, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, is so incredibly powerful that if we engage our brains, we don't just say it because we know it off the top of our head. The enemy, the devil, the leader of the kingdom of darkness, wants to take our eyes off of Jesus. And he will go to great lengths to do that through distraction and through gaining our attention with other things. You know, the devil doesn't want us to worship him. He doesn't need us to worship him. He just needs us not to be worshiping Jesus. He doesn't uh, need us to be uh, praying to him. He just needs us not to be praying. If you've ever read C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, that's what it's all about. It's a conversation with the enemy and his demons about getting those of us that follow Jesus not to pray. Temptation is the devil's first tactic. He will entice us and attract us to, allure us away to anything but Jesus. 
He will entice us towards evil. He wants to keep our eyes off of Jesus, the King of Kings. However, if we have made the decision to live for Jesus, to love him, to follow him, to become more like him, to live like him, for the sake of our own transformation, but for the transformation of the world around us, then our attention must absolutely be on him. You might think, come on, Libby, that's such a massive task. Like, how can my transformation impact anything around me? Um, how, can, how, can that, how can that be possible? We've, we've talked a lot recently about our transformation for the sake of mission, for those around us. But let me encourage you. This is a slight deviation. But let me encourage you. You know, our transformation, our presence, and our pursuit of Jesus has the ability to change whole environments. Let me give you a little example of wolves and Yellowstone Park in the US. Wolves in, in Yellowstone Park had been hunted to extinction, which meant the elks, the deer, um, had uh, been given free reign and they had multiplied and multiplied. And the, the fact that the elks had taken over Yellowstone Park meant that riverbanks were eroding, the water was becoming polluted, which was affecting the beavers and the otters and the fish. The elks were eating all the trees and all the bushes and berries, so there was nowhere for birds to roost. There were, the rabbits had no food. Even the grizzly bear numbers were declining because they had no berries to eat before hibernation. And in 1995, 41 wolves were introduced to Yellowstone Park, reintroduced. I know that was 29 years ago, but there's been a good study since to show that this has made a significant difference. 41 wolves into a massive park that was being overrun by elks, and the whole ecosystem has changed. These wolves had the elk as their prey. They had them in their sights. So they began hunting them, and therefore their numbers reduced. Eagles returned to the park because there was carcasses left to feed on. Riverbanks were no longer a place to hang out because they were way too exposed. So the rivers, the riverbanks started to regenerate, and, and trees, bushes started to regrow, which not only meant that the river was cleaner, which meant that the otters, the beavers, and the fish uh, could um, grow and come back because the bushes and the berries and the trees were able to regrow birds came back rabbits and other animals their habitats were, were recreated um, and the grizzly bears had food so there's more grizzly bears around as well that sounds like quite a scary thing but it is a good thing but not only that um, because of the work of the beavers in the river and the fish the water downstream was clean enough to drink for the towns um, outside of the park. So that's a quick example to show you that 41 wolves had the ability to transform a whole ecosystem. <coughs> Imagine the transformation if us as followers of Jesus, of those that are pursuing him, not just those of us in the room, but all of the Christians that we're connected to, all of the Christians in churches in Chelmsford right now and in the whole country and the world. Imagine if we at least mastered this art of forgiveness and this, um, this not being tempted, the impact that that would have on the world around us. 
let alone if we actually really grasped how to be a non-anxious presence in an anxious world, in a world that lives in a permanent crisis. You know, there is hope right there. Our pursuit of Jesus and the change that that brings in us has the ability to change everything. We can feel small. We can, set, we can wonder whether we can really make a difference. But I absolutely promise you that you can. <coughs> Excuse me. So lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think that we need to be praying this. If you're anything like me, I can try really hard. And I have good willpower when it comes to certain things. But I know that when it comes to being tempted, I need Holy Spirit intervention. You know, we're all tempted by different things. There's all be different things in our lives that take our eyes off of Jesus. And you will know what those things are. Two of the things that I um, am prepared to be vulnerable with with you this morning um, are food. I'm very tempted by food and mindless scrolling on social media, which leads my mind to nowhere positive. But we have Jesus as our example. If we are pursuing him, then we can take him seriously and we can look at him and see what he's about. So if you had your Bibles open at um, Matthew 6, you might want to flip back a couple of pages to Matthew 4. We're going to look at an example of Jesus. (coughs) Could you get me some water? Is that okay? Thank you. Um, I've been reading the book of Hebrews this week. And, uh, and the writer of the book of Hebrews has a couple, uh, well, number of things to talk about Jesus being tempted. So we're in good company. You know, the writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus was tempted by everything, and yet he did not sin. He is sympathetic towards us because he knows what it is to be tempted. And we can trust him to help us. So Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. Um, when you've got, I'm not going to read it now, but if you um, go home with your uh, notebook, with a bookmark in there. Thank you, Joe. You can definitely read that later. But just to summarize, Jesus is being tempted by the enemy. He's just been baptized and on a slight commercial break. If you follow Jesus and you haven't been baptized, we would love to baptize you. So come and talk to me. So Jesus has just been baptized in the River Jordan. And then the Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness, an actual desert. And he spends 40 days and 40 nights in this wilderness. And uh, Matthew tells us that he was hungry. So simply put, I've already told you that one of my biggest temptations is food. Um, 24 hours of fasting is a lot for me. 40 days and 40 nights. That's, that's impressive. Jesus was hungry. He was in the wilderness. I'm thinking he was probably in quite a hard place. And then the devil rocks up. The enemy rocks up with the sole purpose of distracting him, of breaking him. And he just, just doesn't do it just by one little throwaway comment. He, he pursues him three times. He relentlessly calls to him and tries to distract him. So how does Jesus combat temptation? How does Jesus focus on his father? Well, firstly, he knows who he is. Jesus knows that he is God. He is the son of God. And the devil even tries to use it when he tempts him. If you read in Matthew 4, he says, if you are the son of God, and Jesus is probably going, yeah, yeah, I am. Yep, got that one down. I know that I am. 
Jesus stands firm with the knowledge that he knows who he is in his Father. He is loved by the Father. He is known by the Father. He is the Son of God. You know, if we hark back to the first line of the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. Do we know God as our Father? Do we really know who we are as children of the, of the Father? You know, Pip said when, we, when she talked on um, give us our, our daily bread, you know, do we know who we're asking? Do we understand who God our Father is? Because Jesus absolutely did. And I think that's one way that he knew how to kind of stick with, with the Father. He combated temptation by knowing who he was. And secondly, by whose he was. He knew his identity in God and he knew that he was God's chosen. That he was God's son. Do we know that we are chosen by God? We are adopted. We're co-heirs. We are children of the king. Because if we sit in that for a moment and we really grasp that understanding, it changes everything. So Jesus combats temptation by knowing who and whose he is. And secondly, he knows the word of God. When you read Mark chapter 4, you'll see that with everything that the devil throws at him, Jesus knows truth. He knows scripture. He knows the word of God. And so in a moment of temptation, he speaks scripture. Verse 9 says, the devil says to Jesus, all this I'll give to you, he says, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus answered him, stay away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. This is the third temptation that the devil throws at him. You can have all of this. We are constantly being told, you can have all of this. You can have whatever you want. You can be happy. You can have the perfect look. You can have the perfect skin, the perfect abs, the perfect partner, the perfect house, the perfect car. You can have an overflowing bank account if you just do this, this, and this. You can have amazing friendships and relationships. Whatever makes you happy, you can have it. Just take it. The cost of all of this, society will tell you, is free. Just take it. Grab it. We went to see Joseph at the theatre this week. If you want it, think it, dream it, then it's real. I don't know what world they're living in. You know, social media advertising is all telling us if you want it, you can have it. And that's just not true. It's the enemy's oldest trick. Right back in the Garden of Eden, he says to Eve, eat this fruit, you can have anything. Are we wise to that? Jesus was. Because even when the devil tried it with him, he knew. And we are not immune to this oldest trick in the book. We are so easily seduced. I say we because I haven't got this sorted. You know me. We need to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Because our life really does depend on it. 
You know, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, one of the books in the Old Testament, at the, at the enemy. Could we do that? Do we know Scripture off by heart? Jesus would have learnt it as a child. He knew it. He knew it off by heart. You know, if we're tempted by things, if we're, do, would we, how often do we quote Scripture? Maybe not necessarily at somebody, but internally. You know, do we know it off by heart? I think Jesus' example shows us that he knew scripture, he knew truth, and that really helped him in sticky situations. So there's a nugget in itself. If we read the Bible, let's learn some of it. Let's memorize it. I learned a song as a child, and it was, I'm going to hide God's word in my heart every day. It's a lamp unto my feet. That's truth, and that's the word. Like, will we take up that challenge? You know, we have Jesus' example of how to resist temptation. And we have every, every word that came out of his mouth that's recorded. That's what this prayer is talking about. The disciples went to him and said, Jesus, how do we pray? And this is what he gave them. And we have it. I think as more as we talk about this, the more I'm amazed by this collection of words that Jesus put together. They hold such power. So we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us, to deliver us from the evil one. It's powerful stuff. So, and we can use Jesus' example. We can know and grasp afresh. And it might be a daily thing of who we are and whose we are. And we can learn to hide God's word in our heart. Because it really is a lamp to our feet. And then finally, we're placed in community. We can, by being placed in a community, we can combat temptation together. Okay, so Jesus went in Matthew 4, the bit we've been looking at. He's in the wilderness on his own. But I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. He was God. He was part of the Trinity. He's not really on his own. Okay, that's my link to we don't have to be on our own. We are made for community. We're designed for connection. Being on a journey, pursuing Jesus together with friends is really important. I absolutely don't think we can pursue Jesus in isolation. You know, when Jesus in Luke 10 sends out the 72, he sends them out in pairs for a reason. He doesn't just send them out on their own. You know, and we all know that community... Being in community has some real positives. We also know that it can also be hard. And it can be tricky sometimes because we rub each other up the wrong way. We annoy each other. But also, it requires us to be vulnerable and to connect and to push into that. And that's not always easy. But I absolutely believe that if we're saying no to something, we're making decisions with other people, it's easier. If we're saying yes to things... With other people, it's easier. That's why I love church so much. That's why I give my life to it, to you, to the bride of Christ. Because this is how Jesus intended us to live and to pursue him together. You know, it's easier to say yes or no to things when we do things together. You know, for years I've wanted to go wild swimming in the river. It just took Ruth to say, come with me. And then I was like, yes. And she's like, there's a few of us now. 
I'm a bit more of a wimp than some of the rest of you. But it was much easier when there was one other person going that I knew. We are designed for community. And that includes everything that we do about being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit to become like Jesus, to love like Jesus, and to live like him. In community, we can be accountable, we can help each other, we can cheer each other on. You know, when we're living in wilderness, out of community, the enemy is not going to leave us alone. He is going to come after us. This is where courage is required. We need to pray for this more than anything. Because we are bombarded by temptation, possibly more now than ever before, because we're more well-connected. We're exposed to more stuff. This is where we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to know who we are and whose we are. We need to know his word. And we need to do that together. What is it that takes your eyes off Jesus? What gets in the way of your pursuit of him? Is it work? Is it worry? Is it alcohol? Is it sugar? Is it sex? Is it pornography? Is it social media? Money, the need to always be in control. As I've said, it'll be different for each of us. But we can stand firm, we are not on our own. With Jesus, learning scripture and standing together. The lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one becomes slightly more doable. Will we grasp that afresh this morning? Maybe for the first time, maybe uh, for the millionth time. What, what takes your eyes off Jesus? And as you think about that over the coming week, what scriptures speak directly into that? in knowing truth, in knowing what Scripture says, the devil flees. Why don't we stand and I'll pray.